What's good? Revolutionaries, what's good? Today's episode is brought to you by the Rogue Media Group, which is a veteran-led integrative marketing agency with affiliated networks that reach nearly 1 million multicultural professionals, business owners, and public policymakers. RMG, as it's affectionately known, was founded in 2013 by my dude, Maximilian Hamilton, and has grown from a single offering to a multifaceted media company that offers everything from media planning and buying to written content development, sponsorship consulting, and conference development, as well as digital marketing, custom video, DEI strategy, personal branding, and speaker sourcing. RMG's signature program, one that I was able to MC last year, is the fifth annual Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit. It will take place this year in November, the 9th through the 12th, 2023, in Houston, Texas. The annual summit is a gathering of 500 plus CEOs, professionals, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. Participants will explore and discuss advancing the mobility of black professionals, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. The summit will include a golf outing, panel discussions, keynotes, breakout sessions, and awards recognition, and guess this, a celebration of hip hop's 50th anniversary. To learn more about RMG and Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit, visit www.roguemg.com. And now, let's get ready for the show. What's good, revolutionaries? What's good, revolutionaries? What's good, revolutionaries? Rachel Graham, my forever producer, what's your revolution? My revolution is to understand that the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. The revolution is the contemplative thought of not setting yourself on fire to keep others warm to get to those things. So, yeah, that's my revolution. Welcome to the What's a Revolution show. So for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves, where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host. Dr. Charles Corbrew, as we say all the time, what's good, revolutionaries? I hope that you are well and that you are finding your communities and that you are doing your thing and you are finding the best, most revolutionary version of yourself. And that's what we do. As I say here all the time, to fulfill your revolution, you must revolt and evolve. You must know your choice points. You must find your midwives. You should know that your revolution is not just for you and you should always be becoming the next revolutionary version of yourself. And for six years, that's what we've been doing. We have been trying to figure out what this show is what it's going to look like now and in the future. But as we celebrate six years of this show, we going to go back. <laughs> way back. We're going to go way back to the beginning. And you've heard me talk about this person so many times on this show. I call her my forever producer. It is the incomparable, the lovely, the esteemed, the most beautiful, the most... <gasps> 
intellectual, the 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 catalyst, the revolution behind the revolution. It is the, it is the, the Rachel Graham coming to the show. <laughs> and I just want people to know, as you know, I've, I've told this story, but I'm going to say it once again. This show started in a coffee shop, in a Starbucks coffee shop, as we were building out uh, my first company, the first iteration of What's a Revolution. And I looked over as we were in that Starbucks on Magazine Street in my beloved, in our beloved New Orleans. And I said, Rachel, I want a radio show. And she was like, what? I was like, I want a radio show. And she was like, okay, we're going to make that. We're going to make that happen. And you all know, we've, we've talked about how the show came to fruition, but it was Rachel making the call to our good friend and the lovely and most talented and most beautiful Susan Henry. And all of a sudden on January 17, 2017, the What's Your Revolution show was born. And this woman, this woman was the first producer and she got on my everlasting nerves making this show Ditto! <laughs> <laughs> making the show in the beginning what it was yeah. and if it wasn't for rachel graham and all of her hard work and love and dedication to this show we would not be where we are now and so i want to publicly say thank you thank you to oh. rachel graham for believing in me and believing in the concept of the show i even remember how we came up with the tagline that has stayed the tagline for the last six years, a show for men and the people that is Rachel Graham, that, that is Rachel Graham show for men and the people who love them. Uh, and so welcome to the show again, because we used to do this every now and again, it was the uh, Chucky and uh, Rachel episodes of the show. We yes. used to get down and talk about what was going on with the revolution, yeah. what was going on with New Orleans, what was on our minds. And so we are going to revisit that. Um, wow. Just enjoy this, uh, reminisce about six years and and just mm -hmm. reminisce about this friendship and the joy that we have and the gratitude that I have for her. But Rachel, you know what I'm about to ask you. I'm prepared. <laughs> oh, you're prepared. Here we go. Rachel Graham, my forever producer. What's your revolution? So I was prepared because the first time you asked me this, I got mad at you. <laughs> I hate when you ask me this question because it makes me think and it puts me in a, a place where I really have to challenge myself. I just I you know, you know, this, Charles, I kind of just go through life just doing mm. and I never stop to think about um, impact purpose or whatever. It's like I just. I'll be sitting around and I'll like see two people in one plate like together. I'm like, oh, you guys can do something together. But I prepared today um, and it just so happened like, you know, my morning devotional time, a.k.a. also known as scrolling through Instagram or Facebook. Um, That's what we're calling it now. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to <laughs> call that devotional now. I'm going to use that. <laughs> call it devotional. And so it was interesting because someone posted this and I put it together with um, a thought that was kind of like my contemplative thought for the week because I really need to hold to this. And I came up with this is my revolution. So my revolution is to understand that the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Mm. The revolution is the contemplative thought of not setting yourself on fire to keep others warm to get to those things. Mm. Um, I'm by no means uh, succeeding in my revolution just yet. It is an evolution and a process. Um, but that is, if I could pull it together, it talks about kind of what my journey has been, yeah. how I approach the work, but also things that I need to learn how to do better 
in that work. Yeah. And so that has always been kind of how I've approached, you know, my crazy career. It has been a, a, a very interesting journey, um, but always at the center of it, it has never been about me. And I've actually had to like kind of reinforce that to folks and they've come back at me like, but it needs to be about you. Yeah. Um, and that's where that tail end comes in. Like, you know, I want to make sure if I see two folks that need each other, um, I need to put them together yeah. so that they can get to what they are, are trying to accomplish. But I really need to be better. And I hate to use the cliche self-care, but I think the better way to talk about it is this concept of, you know, I feel like sometimes I set myself on yeah. fire every day. Yeah. And everybody else is warm, and I'm walking around smelling like smoke. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my revelation. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here comes Rachel. She's on fire. She's <laughs> on fire. That, that, Literally. That. But it's crazy because sometimes, and let me tell you how it works out. You will be setting yourself on fire to do these things. And people are like, oh, look at that pretty, look at the pretty blazes. And oh, look at the pretty, oh, it glows so beautifully. Not realizing there's a person in the center of all this beauty that you see who is literally um, consuming themselves yeah, in yeah. this work. And um, I, I'm not really good at it. I've been admonished several times um, in the course of the last three days <laughs> about, you know, taking care of myself and not, you know, going hard in the paint. I'm not as young as I used to be. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Big sis. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you got me. I was like, Yeah, I know. I, I know I fooled you. <laughs> I was like, what? No. I know, I know. I know. Yeah, you know, just you got to take care of yourself. Like I said, I went, I went to the doctor today and literally the same thing I was, you know, kind of in conversation with myself about before I got to the doctor, she was like parroting all of that back to me without prompt. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. So, yeah. So, so what I hear in this is the revolution is not to set yourself on fire. Absolutely. It's to, it's to not set myself on fire, but to still be about the work of, you know, recognizing the gifts that I have and not holding them to myself. Mm -hmm. If I see that my community or that my people or spaces and places that I'm privileged enough to ex- to be in, if I see that what I have can benefit or take folks to the next level, then hey, take it. You know, um, I just need to figure out how to say, "Whoa, Nelly!" You know, that's Whoa. enough taking. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, trigger. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up. So this is what I want to ask Rachel as 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 we okay. think about that because if anybody knows Rachel Graham, you know that. She's a super connector, right? If you you think about it, like literally AT&T, T-Mobile, right? That's what Rachel is. Yeah. I told you the story, Revolutionaries, of how she put me on. <laughs> if we All the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Personally and professionally. Uh, but, um, mm, that's a story for another know, show. right? Hey, Susan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Susan. You put your business in these hey, streets. that's my show. That's my show. I know. Your that's show. my show. Funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, Halloween was fun. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the thing about that is that I, I love the analogy is, is walking around and you're on fire. And we think mm-hmm. about this because if I think about a fire, Rachel, I'm thinking about how fires keep us warm, how fires illuminate us in times of darkness, how fires are a guiding light where, oh, there's the fire over there. 
But what happens is, I think that's what you're saying, is that if a fire gets too hot, right? If a fire gets too hot, it becomes destructive. We have to be able to control our light. We have to be able to control our fire. And sometimes, even and sometimes, we've got to turn the fire down, right? Just, or just put it, just put it yeah, out. Or, I mean, right, right, exactly. To or, or put it out for a little while, you know, and and, yes. and regather the kindling. Here we go, you know. <laughs> right, oh, you're, you're going to your voice yeah, Exactly, regather the kindling. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, and, and see, sometimes that's what happens. The fire dies down and then we've got to put some fresh wood on it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the Absolutely. thing I think that we have to think about. If you remember, Dr. David Wallace was on the show last year and he talked about it's not self-care, it's soul care. Mm. And it, it's moving us to this space of I have to protect my soul. If I'm going to be if we're going to do the work yeah. that we're doing. Yeah. Right, and and the work that Rachel Graham does out in the world, and she's in Baltimore. I love to. I'll, I'll let her introduce yeah. all the, all the gravitas that she is in the world. But if we're going to give our light to folks and out in the world, we got to make sure that we are protecting that light, that they, we Absolutely. can cover it sometimes. And actually, you know what? I need to extinguish this and go get some fresh wood, right? Some Absolutely. fresh kindling, so I can then beam even. I can beam even stronger and brighter. Right. Or you run into things where a small fire gets started and it gets out of control and it burns down half of California. (laughs) But I'm serious. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I when I've overextended myself and I'm still trying to, you know, make it happen for everybody else. And I'm not eating. I sit in my chair for 15 hours at a time. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but but not by much. But that becomes destructive, Mm -hmm. not just to yourself. But as you start to eat away at who you are as a person, then you start. <laughs> I know some people who caught the fire, right. not the smoke, the fire yeah, yeah. for me being mm-hmm. just exhausted. Right. And I don't show up as my best self. Right. I'm not those things that it's kind of like um, catch 22 or idiosyncratic, whatever the big you, you're the doctor between the two of us, whatever that big word is <laughs> where it's like I am burning myself up to be there for other people. And yet I am consuming myself and burning them back. Like it's, right. it, you know, it's, it's just a destructive cycle. So you do have to um, recognize that, you know, um, it'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is time where I love that that soul care idea. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back and listen like, to the show, you know, everybody. So soul care, moving, yeah. moving from self care to understand the caring right. of our souls. Because as you, yeah, as you're saying, is that if we don't care for our souls, we can't. We're not showing up in our most <laughs> revolutionary self. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And then it's just chaos and, like I said, destruction. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And we don't we don't need uh, we don't need uh, chaos and uh, destructive Rachel out in the world. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. He's seen <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen it, um, which leads me back. Which, let, let, let's let's take it back. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, everybody, this show is this show is founded based on the ideas that Rachel had six years ago about what this show could be. Talk to me, Rachel, what it was like for you as a black woman to produce a show that was geared towards black men, 
right to towards black men by a black man who is headstrong and then we talk about right talk about my taurusness my taurian behaviors taurian behaviors right talk about what it was like for you to then you know be in the room and produce a show that was uplifting black men but you're a black woman what was that like for you easy Mm. um and i'm not saying as it wasn't a challenge because you were challenging. And then there were points where we really didn't agree on some of the people you wanted to have yeah, on the show. Yeah. Um, Learning but I will, I will say this. Um, if my mother was here, she was seconded. I have always loved me some black men. Like always, <laughs> like, like always, just like always. I, I can't explain it. It's interesting. I have a, a wonderful ish relationship with my father now but like for the first half of my life I didn't grow up with my dad but I had my grandfather I had um, one of the pastors at our church Reverend Lee who was always very close to our family Um, I loved black men I thought they were the coolest thing on the planet and that's just something that stuck with me I to you know there's a show that we did when 444 yeah I was just thinking about that show yeah 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 and I I I probably caught flack, but nobody was brave enough to say it to my face. But I took a rather controversial stance because I got what Jay-Z was going through. And I think one of the things that we talked about all the time and why the show I say was easy to do is that I think in some cases it's been an overcorrection where black women's voices have been suppressed for so long that some of the stances that we have a tendency to take are as it's an overcorrection. That's the best way to put it. That, you know, we have lost the ability to see and hear the side of black men. Mm. And there is this requirement of them to um, be in some cases better than we are without recognition of what it is they're really going yeah. through. And so um, for that's why I say for me, it was easy because you know, these were conversations that I felt were important. These were things that I felt black men wanted to have conversations about, um, even if they didn't, you know, want to come forth and, you know, openly say, hey, I want to talk about the fact that I need to go see a therapist yeah. or, yeah. hey, I want to talk about the fact that I haven't cried in 15 mm-hmm. years or I want to talk about, you know, yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanna, yeah. Like, meditation. Like we, talked about, uh, right. we talked about meditation. We talked about what it was like. We, the first show oh, with Oliver, with with the now again, this council member, Oliver Thomas and his redemptive story yes. yeah. and oh, story. the work he had been doing in community. And so for me, that is kind of an example of one of those stories. People dogged him out for, you know, making a poor decision. Um, but he did. He will tell you to this day, I did my time like a man. I came out, I changed my life and I'm working for my people. Yeah. Yeah. And so things like that, like, you know, you know, we told those stories. And so, like I said, the, the, the summary is yes. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Rachel. Cause you know, I, mm-hmm. in thinking back to show number one and mm-hmm. 
being in that little small, that little small, <laughs> that little small space. I, I look, and I think there's a picture. I think maybe there's a picture somewhere, right? Maybe somebody has it. Yeah. I think I may yeah, have it. If I go far enough back, yeah, I have there's it. a picture of me interviewing Oliver. Oliver, nervous, right? This is the mm-hmm. first show. I got all, all of these questions written out, all of the diatribe, and mm-hmm. and Oliver is just this smooth, smooth, yes. caring, inviting, endearing. Even though I'm I'm the interviewer there, he is bringing me into a space that he is fully comfortable with because that's who Oliver Thomas is. And I just think about that story, as you as you said, because Oliver set the tone for what was going to happen for six years. But what we thought about is that how do we bring black men on this show and women Mm -hmm. who are going to talk about themselves in the most vulnerable way possible and that's the thing like like you said we often don't get to see this vulnerability the last you know one of the shows at the recording of this show um the show that the show that just dropped was roy scott who's the ceo of healthy hip-hop I saw that. Right, and this brother, this brother was a gangster rapper, right? he hardcore hip hop rapper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one day, as as he's driving down the road, smoking a black and mild, you know, listening to his own lyrics, his son is spitting them back to him. Sounds different, don't it? Right, right, it does, <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. His son, and, and all of a sudden, he's like, "Wait, wait." And I, I, I love that we have been able to pull out, Rachel, this this tenant, this this thing. As you fulfill your revolution, you have to revolt and revolve, evolve, excuse, yeah. excuse me. Mm-hmm. And I think about this going back to Oliver Thomas, right? For him to sit in this seat as a councilman, to be to be humble, humble in nature to say, I am a I have been a flawed man. I am a still a flawed man. Right. But I can come back and tell a story of redemption and come back mm-hmm. and lead my people. That's show right. number one, people. <laughs> right. To think about that, that Oliver Thomas set the tone of what this show. And if we have to bring if we have to bring Rachel's influence, because I remember sitting, you know, a sitting like who is going to be the first person on the show. And, that, and that's the yeah. wonderful thing about the intellect and the. As, as you said, Rachel said, I need to bring two people together. Absolutely. And what happened was that you were able to bring Oliver and myself together to start this revolution. And he set it off. And that wasn't even the best show. Like, like that's the thing that was crazy because it was a dope show. Yeah. But let's talk about. Like, I remember we did the conversation with Councilmember Jim Singleton oh, yeah. and Wesley Fias. Yes. We did the conversation and this, I don't know where, how we pulled this off after Sterling K. Brown oh, yeah. won the Emmy. Yeah. We had Harry Elam, yeah. Yeah. which in and of itself was a coup. Um, mm. We've had um, Hakeem Bellamy, who I'm still trying to figure out how we're related. <laughs> um, and if anybody doesn't know, had, yeah, Hakeem Bellamy had, was the first poet, New Mexico's first yeah. poet laureate. Yeah. You know, yeah. good friend of mine. Yeah, exactly. Keep going. I'm sorry. We've had, um, there's, of course, there's Brother Larry. <laughs> we, Larry's been on the show twice now. Look, I know. Look, have you seen Larry? Have you seen Larry? I've seen Larry. Have you seen Larry? I was CEO. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah. But to that point, you know, it's, it's crazy. I think what's crazy for me is that it has been six years. 
we never thought about six years. No. No. We were like, okay, what's next week's show? Going to be? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> while but while we're at it, we gotta we gotta pay respect to the man that kept it all together. My man Jazz. My man Jazz on the wheels of seals. <laughs> <laughs> My man Jazz on the wheels of steel. There were no wheels and there were no steels. There were no wheels. There were no steels. Um, it was just a board. But, but I bring him up because Jazz is quintessential New Orleans. Mm. And what would end up happening sometimes is that we'd be talking some bull stuff. Ish. Ish. And Jazz would jump in and and like check us. Or bring like bring that that New Orleans black manness yeah. to our conversations, um, and it was just a, it was an amazing time. It was an amazing amazing time, and so yeah, like literally, we would just be getting to like like okay, who's who's this week? The thing I and it's funny. So I, I I'm smiling and nodding as you are extolling all these laudatory remarks on me. None of this is me saying, yeah, you're right. But it's just a remembrance mm-hmm. of, wow, I, I did do that, do that. But the thing you also have to tell people is I also produced and host my own show. That's right. That, that's right. It was, which was right after, which was right after, which was right, right after. after the show. That's right. That's right. And sometimes, you know, you would come on the show with me, yeah. which was wonderful. Cause I, you know, sometimes it would be like nobody would ever call. <laughs> so I needed somebody else besides jazz to talk to. I think that was the challenging part because I had to switch from right. this very kind of, um, I don't know the proper word for it, but kind of a lifestyle show to a drive time news evening show. news talk show with some real heavy stuff right. and some very right. strange listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionaries, I want you to understand, Rachel and I started out on WBOK 12.30 a.m.? 12.30 a.m. An a.m. Yes. station, right? It was a talk show. Mm-hmm. We had, and I look, okay. and we did the show, I want to say we did the show, well, Rachel, Rachel like was, was there from 17 to 18, and then she left me. <laughs> she <laughs> actually left. actually I was there from 16 to 18. I started right. at WBO. I started at WBOK two months after I lost my mother. Mm. And um and then you I think you came I on. came on 17. 17 and then yeah. 18. I remember I, I remember you saying, Hey, yeah, yo, I'm rolling out. <laughs> like what? And it's crazy because nobody believed me. Yeah. Yeah, but you had to no, go. Like nobody believed me, and so you have this term, and you gave me props for this in one of our last shows about blowing up your life. Yes, oh, I remember that. Yeah, and so like it was a decision. Like I said, I lost my mother in uh, June of 2016. 2016 was probably the worst year of my life. Mm. We all know for yeah, several reasons, yes. it was one of the worst years of my life, um, and. I, the the best way to describe it is I felt completely untethered. Yeah. Um, because my mom was my rock and my person, and then I lost my mom and other things, and so it was hard because I was like, I had, oh, so my my daughter went to college right. that year, right? And so all of my people, I was like out here kind of floating and. As I explained to people, I love New Orleans. I will forever love New Orleans. I haven't been back recently. Um, just for finance reasons and time and stuff, but I love New Orleans. Leaving New Orleans was probably the hardest decision yes, of my life. Yes, yes. But I'm allergic to being broke. <laughs> Man, let me tell you. That, I mean, that was what it is. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. hard. Like it was, all that other stuff is probably manageable if I wasn't 
living on $1,200 a month. Seriously. Um, And so that was really a a hard decision. Um, That was revolutionary. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, just to reflect on those times and, I'll tell you, I, the, the things I did look forward to were our shows. Yeah. I, I started to hate my show after a minute because it was just, it was really hard. And, but our shows, like we would like have these really cool conversations and these really cool guests. And I got, got to, you know, I could produce and think and not necessarily have to be in the host seat, which was, that was really. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Rachel, I want to go back because you, sure. something interesting that you said, and I want to bring, I want to bring jazz back into this conversation. Sure. Because in essence, this is, this is still a New Orleans show. Yeah, absolutely. It is still a New Orleans. I, I talk about New Orleans at length on the show. I think that the New Orleans uh, Visitors Bureau needs to give me some sponsorship dollars because like, I'm always telling folks to go to New Orleans. I mean, I talk about our beloved New Orleans all the time. But one of the things you said is that that intrigues me is that black masculinity in New Orleans, right? And and, and like I, I want to drop down on that because. Jazz, if you if you ever listen to this show, when, you know I I have to say that I I love you, my dear brother, and that I am grateful for you because jazz could be cantankerous, jazz 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 could be like f this New Orleans thing, f w b o k, f everything. At least once. A At week. least once a week. But <laughs> it was something about this show that Jazz said. I don't care about nobody else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to make sure that you get what you need for this. And even because Jazz stayed after I left. Jazz stayed after you left. And remember, I used to record out of Jazz's studio. But the, I know. How we became a podcast was like the WPOK broke broke apart. <laughs> and Jazz was like, <laughs> yeah. what do you want to do? Sold. They sold to some other people. Right. And moved out. Right. Oh, now they got no, now they got these nice, robust studios and, and everything. But but jazz was jazz was jazz is and was so New Orleans. Absolutely. And just just illuminate jazz to the to the revolutionaries. Like your impression of jazz, what jazz brought to this show, and what 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 jazz was indicative of new orleans black masculinity right um it's interesting i was in a conversation with someone recently and we were talking about the similarities between baltimoreans and new orleanians Mm. and what i explained is they are extremely authentic if they love you they love you if they don't you need to go find somewhere else to be. <laughs> you need to go kick rocks. Mm. And they will tell you that in no uncertain terms. Their BS detector in both cities is way keyed in. Like they detect BS um, very well. Uh, but when it comes to the the men of both cities, I think the everyday um, challenge of dealing with the circumstances that both cities provide um, present to black men has caused them to have to be yeah. hyper masculine. Yeah, there we go. Um, Look at you. Look at you, Rachel. Bring it. <laughs> I learned a little there bit. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you have to, you got to be strong. You got to, you know, you got to show up. And, you know, I'm not going to try to be a, you know, junior historian, 
But if you look at the history of black men in both cities, now the history of New Orleans was way further back. But the intentional things that were done to black men in both cities, you understand why. Um, You know, black men were the back of industry. Back of (laughs) industry. Pretty much. Yes. They were the back of industry. Um, All the way up and through to like right now, if you really want to be honest about it. And so, you know, you're not quite, they're not quite sure who they can trust, who they can't trust when they do trust you. They trust you to a point. Um, They love you to a point. but, you know, to physically describe Jazz, he's kind of this ragtag dude with long locks. I think he still has locks. Yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen him in a couple of years. But yeah, um, that, think, was, that was his thing. Has- yeah, that was his thing. And he was a connoisseur. <laughs> he was a connoisseur. He was a connoisseur. We won't say a connoisseur of what, but he was a connoisseur. He was a connoisseur. <laughs> um, the natural life. Yeah, the natural life. <laughs> yeah. Man. And so, but he was a, a super talented dude. Like, it wasn't just that he was a sound engineer, but he was a musician. He, yeah. you know, shout out to Corey Henry, who I, you know, the theme song for my show was something that Jazz produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jazz had, you know, done all this you know, stuff. And, and so, yeah, so he, there was always, how do I say this? It always felt like you could only get, but so close to jazz um, because there is kind of a bit of misgiving amongst men in new Orleans around reflecting that vulnerability because reflecting that vulnerability could get you killed. Right. Right. And it is literally a life or death thing there. Right. Um, that's why I think it's but, important. That's that's yeah. why I think it's important to note this conversation with him. Is, is, I, I'm bringing back the significant folks that made this show early on, and mm-hmm. and jazz being the new or jazz being the new Orleanian in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that he took to the show because he got to hear realness. He got to mm-hmm. right, and we were at the time strictly bringing New Orleanians into the show no no that's not true because remember like that second year that's when we started phoning people in that's right that's right that's right so like we had uh uh francois willie francois right who was in who was in and as a matter of fact he was on the show however many years ago probably five years ago not five i, I can't remember when, but he was there on this day Talking about MLK. That's right. That's right. We brought him in. That's, that's exactly right. That's, right. That's and right. so, like toward the like that last year, toward the end, like we were figuring out ways to like call people in. That's like right. we had to. That's right. Like rig the microphones. I know, that, that, man. He like <laughs> look. Go to my Facebook page, right? And you gonna have to, you you're gonna have to scroll scroll. To, actually, go to the What's Your Revolution Facebook page because Rachel Graham mm-hmm. always made sure that we were posting on both the my Facebook yes. page and the What's yes. Revolution yes. Facebook page. Yes. And if you go back, you go through, you will see us Jerry rigging, right? My yeah. phone and some some headphones. Put the headphones the he- on, on the, the speaker. On the speaker, right? So you could hear the conversation of me and my guests. That's 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 what we were doing in 2017 right. Right. and 2018. And but even the people that we brought on that weren't New Orleanian, we made sure that they were real. That's right. And and I think Jazz heard that. And mm-hmm. Jazz, we were just real with Jazz. And I think that he loved the show mm-hmm. and gave us because you know what? Jazz was like, I ain't coming in. But I'm only I'm only coming in for your show. I'm only, yeah. I'm only so shout out to you, my brother, and I hope that, that you Absolutely. are you are doing well. Rachel, I, I want to talk more about you in 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 mm-hmm. this moment because 
revolting and involving and, and making choices are, are revolutionary. And I know many of my listeners are thinking about, okay, you, 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 you threw it in there early. Like you left me. And it was, yeah, I, I say that with, with, with some jovialness to it, some, some humor, but he was mad. He was mad. You were mad. mad. You were big, big, big mad. mad. I was like, what are you doing? Like, where are you going? Right. right, right. right. I, right. But I had to understand that we revolt and revolt to be revolutionary in our last two. And revolution is radical change. Mm-hmm. Right. We didn't call this or what's your transformation. We said, what's your revolution? You know, you know, what's your migration? What's, like what's your next day? No, uh-uh. we said, right, right. Right. it's it's what's your revolution. And I, I, I define that as radical, radical reconstruction of your life right. that you right. were revolting, involving like you were revolting from this person that you are right now and radically transforming into something that is that that is is not reminiscent of something that you've ever been. That's true. Yeah. And so. You made a decision to leave New Orleans, right. a city that is beloved to us. Mm-hmm. What is it? What has it been like for you five years later to now move to Baltimore, mm-hmm. ascend in positions, right? Yeah. To evolve into this, 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 you know, you've always been this robust, stately, cavalier woman, but to, to ascend <laughs> into this space, talk to our, our, and I say our, because they are our revolutionaries about making radical choices to move away from spaces to be a greater version of yourself. I, um, I think I kind of got forced into that space, um, because, I probably should have left a year earlier. Mm. I probably should have left at the end of 2016. Quiet as is kept. Um, but, you know, there were a, a lot of... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> there were... Keep it quiet. Anyway. Um, no, but so, you know... What's your... It's the whisper song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Um, what was it like? So, like I said, I got pushed into it. Um, things were, you know, financially not the greatest. And I was just frustrated. I was frustrated because I knew the talent that I had. Um, while I love New Orleans, New Orleans has a tendency to be extremely insular. And if you offend the wrong folks, it can make your professional mm-hmm. life very hard. Right. And I knew, you know, I have a whole lot of very varied training in a lot of varied things, but I knew it's crazy. It started out, I worked on a campaign. I worked on a mayoral campaign. We lost and I was trying to find work and I couldn't find any. And I knew what I, you know, folks know I'm good at what I do and I couldn't find any. And, and I was, you know, looking, um, a little background, my family is from the East coast. So it's not like I was there was some measure of safety mm-hmm. because I went to school in Baltimore. I had folks in Baltimore, um, but I didn't know. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to find this job. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of no's. There were a lot of, we see the potential, but no. And a, a position came open. Um, and, and, that, and I told y'all I'm out before I knew definitively that I had the position. So I got the position and what was that position? Um, I I came to Baltimore to be. I started out as communications manager for a nonprofit here in Baltimore called Family League of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It is some of the most rewarding work I ever did in my life. 
Um, when I left there um, a year and a half or so ago, I was the communications director. I worked for another good bra <laughs> by the name of Dama Millard. Right. Um, and <laughs> you know, did you say a brew? a brew. Well, yeah. Um, and and so I came to that position. But what the the kind of radical part of that story is, I didn't have a place to live. Um, when I moved to Baltimore, I didn't have a plan really. I knew I had a job. I knew I was going to get paid eventually. Um, but I, I think I took the train. I feel like I took yeah, the, I, you did. You I feel took like the I got on yeah. a train and I came to Baltimore. Um, the first day or the first week I didn't, I wasn't calling people for a place to stay until like three or four days out. So like I, I got here that first part of August. Um, and like two days beforehand, I called my very good friend, Shaquilla. Um, I almost called her by her maiden name, Shaquilla Purnell Saunders. And I said, Hey, I got the job. I'm on my way. And she's like, Oh, well that, that works out well because we're going away for the week for late for whatever holiday it was or you know just get away for a week so you can crash on our sofa for a week and i was like okay cool and then um and also i'm very prideful so that's i didn't have to be this hard i I didn't want to ask anybody for help it was kind of like what does it look like you going and doing this and not having a plan in advance it looks crazy right revolutionaries Um, remember we ask we ask for help we find our midwives so just just as an interjection in the story we find our midwives here right we find our midwives i find my my midwife that's gonna be in my head for the rest of my life (laughs) um and so you know the next step was my very good friend patrice sanders um, and her husband monty sanders who was also one of our first guests that's correct um had a fabulous home and she had always told me she was like whatever you need and she means that and so i lived in her basement for a month wow i lived in her basement for a month i drove um shaquille's husband's car for a month back and forth i i uber i mean um airbnb and then finally ended up staying with um, a really good childhood friend of mine for um probably like three months or so until i i got my home and so that whole process was really um, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was 40, 45, 46 ish. Wow. 47, you 48, 54 now? Like huh? You're 53, 54. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be, like, I had a lot of things. To be at the age that I was, you know, I always, you know, lead with this. I don't have a degree. I just have 32 odd years of being good at what I right. do. Being Rachel Graham. And not saying no and not giving up. Um, but like all, like not having good credit, not having no money, like all of that. And it was a very tense time. Um, but my sister, Hey April, always tells me, has been telling me something ever since I was 22. And she always used to say, if God will bring you to it, God will bring you through it. Mm. And I would find myself, and it's very apropos that we're having this conversation because, you know, everything old is new again. I wouldn't go into the, to the, to the reality, but you find yourself sometimes, resetting and and having to be put in that position to relive those lessons. Um, And that's what got me through. And, you know, had a fabulous run with family league of Baltimore COVID hit and the world flew apart. And, you know, I had the privilege of working with um, actually I worked with two mayoral administrations on something that's called the joint information center, which was like a cadre of public information officers from around the city. 
um, that, you know, we were the first ones to know anything about COVID. I knew about it because my daughter was in school on the West Coast, came home from Mardi Gras, went back and they sent her home the next week. And that was February. And she told me that. And I was like, this is real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, did did all of that. Um, but like things kind of changed. And, you know, I hear a lot of people that tell their COVID stories and like people quit their jobs. They open businesses. I think for me, I did my three years with Family League. I still have a very awesome relationship with me, but with them. But I feel like my work there was done and it was time yes. for me to kind of go on to the next level and um, have a, a fairy godmother of a prof- of my profession who has like led me to every step along the way, bumped into her and out of nowhere came this fabulous opportunity to work with the Reginald F. Lewis Museum mm. of Maryland, African-American History and Culture. Do your homework. Google Reginald F. Lewis, <laughs> right? Like this mother was Google, this mother the, was, Google yeah. him, the museum, right. And it's so crazy because I kind of felt like this was like, this had always been what I said I want to do. It was interesting. I actually looked back at a post that I made five years ago. And I, I, no, maybe about four, maybe three or four years ago. But I said by 2025, I want to be in a senior leadership role um, directing external relations for a major nonprofit. There you go. <laughs> and that's what I do. Um, and it's like I said, it's kind of weird because when I told people, anybody that has like kind of followed my trajectory and the work that I've done, it's like, oh my God, Rachel, that's the perfect thing for you. Like, this is, this is like, this is perfect. This is perfect. And so I realized, yeah, this is the perfect space for me to be. This is a, we are a history museum, but we also um, highlight some of the most amazing art. Um, in the city, but we're also a cultural space. I have the benefit of working for an amazing um, executive director, Terry Lee Freeman. She believes that spaces like this should be the public square. Yes. Very similar to the work that you and I used to do, where community can come and have really uncomfortable conversations to get to solutions to those uncomfortable Mm. realities. Mm. And so that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Revolutionaries, there's there's a lot to pull out in in this, but the nugget is, is that one here's the here's the nugget that i think that um our forever producer is saying is that sometimes sometimes you just have to jump and think about that revolution is revolution is radical oftentimes you jump and as she said faith and the universe god whatever you believe in right if this is your purpose if this is your calling if this is your direction there will be a parachute. There will be something that will that will be something that will pick you up and carry you. And it's interesting because even if you know this is not anybody who knows me knows this is not the first time I've done something like mm-hmm. this. Um, but even if you make that move, as long as you're making it um, based upon what you believe to be divine or non-selfish direction even if it turns out to be a mistake there's always a way to bat you into the right direction yes yes and 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 i think that's the thing and we talk about this your midwives will find you or you will go find them and then all of a sudden there's this community of folks they're going to to push you because revolutions don't happen in silos revolutions don't happen just as a singular thing you don't bootstrap a revolution 
Nah. No. You, you you find is that as you jump in your revolution that the people will come because if you are genuine and loving and caring and giving and on fire, as our sister Rachel has said <laughs> at the beginning of this show, right, people gravitate to fire. They do. Yeah. People will gravitate to fire. And so that's 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 what happens. So revolutionaries, I want you to know as you're thinking about this journey, as you're thinking about jumping, as you're thinking about what is my revolution and then saying, what do I have to do to fulfill? What do I where do I need to jump off in my life? Right. Think about this. Right. No plan. Sometimes the plan isn't there. Sometimes the best laid plans. Right. Are not the plans at all. Absolutely. Right. It's it's, it's so interesting, uh, Rachel, because people ask me, how did I get into venture? How did I get into entrepreneurship? Like you were a professor. And I love to give this analogy around like you're, the, the, the baby who finds itself. The, remember the baby, the cartoon where the baby finds himself in the construction site? Yes, and, all of a sudden, and he misses, and all the things are missing him. He doesn't get right, killed right. or squashed all, or anything. All of the different things, and every time the baby is about to fall off, the next beam comes. Yes, that part, right? Yeah, in two th- in twenty fifteen, I decided to jump from this wonderful job as academia, where I had created a platform, writing. You know, I was speaking about hypermasculinity, and I jumped to create a a a venture that was a consulting firm. Right. Helping, talking about black men. Right. This is always my revolution has always been about uplifting black men. Right. So creating policy, putting people in seats that were going to help black boys be successful. And then all of a sudden 2018 came and I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'm tired, literally tired of trying to get white folks to create policy or do the things. I'm tired. I'm ready to jump. Here comes Camelback Ventures. Mm-hmm. And all of yeah. a sudden, this watershed organization, this watershed leader gives me an opportunity to jump and radically transform who I am as a person, radically mm-hmm. transform the work that I do, allows me to then build wealth, right, to then mentor and, and, and work with entrepreneurs. What I'm mm-hmm. saying, and I think our, our sister Rachel is saying, is that when you jump, right, and you find your passion, Right. When if you look at this sister right now, because I, I remember those days when we were both stressed, like what the heck, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? What are, like literally what are we doing? Like Rachel would come in. Oh, I was like, oh, Rachel, like we, I think we had a number system. Like, what's your number today? <laughs> I'm at a one. I'm at a one. Ooh, this ain't this ain't gonna be. Ooh. OK, I got this. I got this. You, you're good. You're good. <laughs> But look at it. Look at us now as, as we yeah. sit, as we sit in these seats and, yeah. you know, I, I'm sitting in a seat as an ecosystem builder here in my hometown. And, and this is something new. This is the next revolution. Right. The show right. Is, has grown from us sitting in a booth. Right. With jazz behind the wheels of steels, <laughs> and jazz, you know, whispering it every now and then. And, you know, you telling me, hey, my, my monologue is too long. <laughs> you right. yeah, Cut it. And, look, and remember, remember to say at 15 after you're listening to the W. He listened to the yes. Revolution oh show on WBOK. My guest is <laughs> like she would point. We had, I had, remember the paper I would write yes. it and put it up on. The yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. We had so much fun. And look at yeah. us. Now, you know, look, I, I, I must comment because now we are on YouTube. So folks will be able to get to see the Michelle Obama-esque outfit that you have on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got this from Shein. Well, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> you know, about. Yeah, right. right the Michelle Obama with, with look, look, with the, uh, the dangling earrings. This is from a street vendor in New and Orleans. She, Y'all can you know all what I'm saying? Me. And she's got the Oprah Winfrey glasses on. <laughs> 
Warby Parker. <laughs> exactly. And the Julian Malvo haircut. <laughs> so Okay. I I received yeah. that. I couldn't carry I couldn't carry Julian Malvo's bath water. Yeah. Because she's the bomb. Yeah, she but I, I received yeah, that. I, I, I want you to take all of this crown that we are we are we are giving you Absolutely. and all that you have done for this show and for me. Like when I think oh. about like when I think about like as an only child, like having people who I call sisters mm-hmm. and brothers, right? And yeah. Rachel is my sister. You know, Rachel oh. is my sister, and we call, you know, we call each other. We haven't, we haven't talked, and we haven't seen each other. And we haven't, we actually, actually haven't like embraced in a long time to give each other love yeah. and, and joy and to celebrate mm-hmm. who we are. And so I remember saying, "Hey, like, would you come and do the show?" And she's like, "What you want me to come and do the show?" I was like, "Because we needed to do this." Like, yeah, like yeah. and our revolutionaries needed to hear how we got here and why we got here and and what you've done over the years, not only in front of the scenes, but behind the scenes to get this show where it is, because literally this started in a coffee shop. Me saying, I want to be on radio and you saying we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I thank you. I thank you for the uh, for the opportunity. Um, I thank you for not trying to kill me in that coffee shop. Because <laughs> there were some days when we were sitting there like, I want it purple. I want it more purple. No, no. It started out. I want it to be blue and green. That's right. That's right. Those colors are still the same. Those colors. That's, look, look, I, look, my social media, look, my social media team, uh, my folks, we have a brand book now. Have fun, you know. Oh. <laughs> you, we, we, I like the purple better. We, look, we have no, 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 no. I'm talking about not being oh, green. The colors are the same. The colors are the same. The colors are the same. Okay, they, good. Yeah. As long as they're not that purple, that, that no, no, green no, 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 and no, no, blue. No, no. The colors are still the same colors that you and I came up with. Good. Seven years you know, when we we put the website up in 2015, yeah. they are still the same same colors that uh yeah. that storm gray and white and 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 purple. And that purple. Yep, and, and that, that purple. purple. And so look, my team has a brand book and they come with I was like that's not that look, that's not the color. That's not that, the color. That's not the, that, that's not the color. Here, here's the exact code of the color. Here's the code, <laughs> here's the code of the color, right? Where would you yeah. get this? That is Rachel Graham, right? That is that is Rachel Graham. So, um well, I want to let me let, let me go here real quick because I, I want to ask you, we've we've been asking all of our guests this, you know, to pick a number, Rachel, mm-hmm. one to five, three, three. As we talk about the five tenets of fulfilling your revolution, the, the third one is find your midwife. So who's helping you fulfill your revolution right now in your life? That is. um <laughs> Ooh, I can't believe you asked me that mm. question. Um, wow. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give an honest answer, okay. and we'll talk about it later. Um, there, so it's very interesting um, here in Baltimore. Um, about two or three weeks ago, I had been really struggling, and I was like, I need some oxytocin in my life, not oxycotton, oxytocin, and that is when sisters come together. Oh, and there that's is how you a, get oxytocin. Uh, it is when sisters come together and there is a hormonal reaction where it buoys you Mm -hmm. it is actually a real thing and so i know it's a real thing but usually it's not when the sisters come together but (laughs) uh -uh, oxytocin is when the sisters come together yeah but it's it's yeah yeah we'll talk about that later we'll talk about that later (laughs) anyway um but 
I, I invited eight and only two showed up. Okay. Um, and it was okay because other people had other obligations. Um, and I have to give them my shout outs. Um, one of them is a sister by the name of Dr. Stephanie Hall. And I laugh is an inside joke with that. Um, but she is a dope sister who is in government and legislative affairs with Coppin State University. She used to be the executive director for the Maryland um, Legislative Black Caucus. We happened to meet because the museum was doing something with the caucus, hit it off. She is a New Orleanian, go figure. She's a good sister of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Mm. Um, and so she was one. And then the other was Shaquilla. Um, pronounced Saunders. And we got together and what came out of that, you talk about find your midwives. Yeah. Sometimes you'll find your midwives in spaces of other people who need midwives. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so it was sitting there and listening to them. Like I was upset because my house is a mess and they were like, girl, my house is a mess too. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but those are the two, like Shaquilla calls me like every three days now to check on me yes. to make sure I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Stephanie is always sending me some crazy text um, <laughs> with some mess. But the other one, and we have to give credit where credit is due and leave it where it is, is James Singleton. Um, were it not for him, you and I would not have ever met. Yeah, and that's right. Got to give a shout friend. out to my good brother, my dear, very good my friend. dear brother and friend, James Singleton. <laughs> um, very good friend who, from, you know, from time to time will chat, how you doing? And will get me right when I'm yeah. like, I can't or I, I'm not. Um but those are my midwives and it was necessary to find those midwives because I lost my, my mother. Like that right. was the, the craziest, like, you know, to really feel untethered. And so, yeah, those are, those are my midwives. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I love that. And thinking about that, like who are the people who are going to move you to be motivation yeah. to be, like you said, to move you, to be a rudder, to be a buoy. Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. about that. Right. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you, sometimes you just don't need to go. You just need to be buoyed. Right. Just to sit, just to and sit, be still. right? Because, yeah. because you have been flutter, you've been fluttering, right? You've been mm-hmm. treading, and you need mm-hmm. someone to buoy buoy you up. I remember writing mm-hmm. a blog, like you know, uh, where are all the kayaks? You know, I don't know if you remember that. Where are, I remember yeah, that. Where are they? Where I almost drowned. Uh, I almost drowned running a tri. My my favorite sport, running triathlons, and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but had to be buoyed. But would not. But the person would not allow me to be get in the kayak. He was like, "Look, just buoy yourself, catch your breath, and move on." Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what has to happen in our lives is that we just need to buoy, be buoyed, so we can move down the road. And oftentimes that. And the interesting thing, and you know, here comes Dr. Corpru. Right. Oxytocin is the bonding hormone. Right. It, it is the it is the bonding hormone, and 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 typically the oxytocin is expressed uh, during. Uh, um, Way too much. You getting into yes. all that? So, um, but yes, I mean, we also get that from hugs from our family. I mean, it is a bonding mm-hmm. hormone, and so mm-hmm. men and women need that yeah. that that that, that right. feeling of actually, it's a feeling of safety. It's a feeling right. of vulnerability, and, it, yeah, and that's what happens when our body can release not only oxytocin but endorphins and dopamine yeah. that allow mm-hmm. us to relax and find joy. And that that's is a what wonderful thing. In a hug. Yeah, that's what that is what happens. Like you, you to see the brain light up when you're hugged by someone that you trust and adore. Oh, wow. uh, okay. and not just a regular hug, Rachel. Like an endearing uh-huh. hug when for like when we see each other. That 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 hug Absolutely. and embrace, like, ah, I'm with my people. Absolutely. Right. 
And, Absolutely. And that's the thing. And I think for black men, as you listen to this show and the people that love them, hug on us. Love Absolutely. on us, right? Because what happens as we as we know, we go out into the world with our armor on, right? Mm-hmm. All all the times. We you know, all the times with all the things. And when we can strip off that armor and embrace each other right think about what it does to our psyche to our mental health particularly if we are if we have been drowning that armor is heavy mm. that arm like I, I like i said you asked me you know what was it like to do the show and i said easy it's because it was i felt like it was a way to in my own little you know woman world to play a role in men having a safe space to take off the armor and just be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in some cases it was conversations where like, nah, man, get out of here. We ain't doing that. But maybe down the line, they get so irritated by what was said that they would go somewhere and, and reflect and yeah. finally feel some, you know, find a space where they could take off that armor. Cause that armor is heavy. And when you, you know, trying to tread water and take care of everybody else, it's just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it it is a lot, and I think I I am hopeful that this show gives strategy to the people that loves us, mm-hmm. as well as allow brothers to hear stories that are indicative and of them and resonate with them, that allow them to take off their armor. Absolutely. Yeah, and so. You know, I hope everybody can say a big thank you to Rachel Graham, because if you've stripped off your armor by listening to this show, it was because of Rachel Graham. Right. If you, you know, I really am tempted to put some humor in there. Yeah. <laughs> like a naked man. I'm just <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, uh, you know, but no, but, thank, but, yes. but again, thank you for even allowing me to hang out with you and, and to be a part of it. And not, like I said, not killing me in that Starbucks and, and being open and sometimes, you know, less Torian. Um, But thank you. Like, like this is, this is brave stuff that you've done and that you've continued to do it. Um, And you've, you've had your own things that you've gone through and yet you still keep pushing. And I mean, you're doing a service. We try. We try. Right. Just call me. Just call me when you need service. And on that note, we will be getting out of here. We will be getting out. Revolutionaries, you know that we love you and that we are here for you. And that as you move through this space, as you are finding, and what I've been told is one of the most difficult questions of your life, that you are finding the answer because it is thought provoking. It does make you think about. How are you going to radically transform your life? Like I said, it's not the like it's not what I'm doing tomorrow. It's not what I'm doing next week. It is what is the revolutionary action that I need to take to be the better version of myself, to get to this best version of myself. And that's what this show is. Hopefully that you find something, some morsel, some tidbit, something that moves you along the way. And we are here. I want to give a shout out to my team, to Seiko, my my engineer who makes this go, Sarah, my admin, my admin, uh, my new social media person, Speedy, and just to say thank you for the forever producer of this show, the the Rachel D. If I'm correct, right? Yes. D. Graham. Yes. I never knew what the D was for, but we'll figure it's, that. It's just Denise. Denise. I was gonna say Dolores. Oh. <laughs> no. uh, Although my father wanted to name me Ethel. Ethel. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
Revolutionaries, do your thing, and we will talk to you soon. I love you. I love you. I love you. Peace, everyone. was probably the worst year of my life. We all know for several reasons. It was one of the worst years of my life. Um, and I, the, the best way to describe it is I felt completely untethered um, because my mom was my rock and my person. And then I lost my mom and other things. And so it was hard because I was like, I had, oh, so my, my daughter went to college that year. And so all of my people, I was like out here kind of floating. And as I explained to people, I love New Orleans. I will forever love New Orleans. I haven't been back recently, um, just finance reasons and time and stuff, but I love New Orleans. Leaving New Orleans was probably the hardest decision of my life. Uh, I'm bringing back the significant folks that made this show early on and, and Jazz being the New or- Jazz being the New Orleanian in the room. And I think that he took to the show because he got to hear realness. He got to, right? And we were at the time strictly bringing New Orleanians into the show. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs>